Welcome to the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast. Your connection to all the latest industry trends, insights, and points of view on the mortgage market from Freddie Mac leaders and other industry experts. Hello and welcome to Freddie Mac Single Family's Home Starts Here podcast. My name is Mike Tiquidakis from Freddie Mac and I'm your host. June is National Homeownership Month, and it's a time to celebrate the benefits that homeownership brings to families and communities across the country. Today, we're going to talk with three players in the mortgage ecosystem who are extending the reach of homeownership daily. They'll be providing us with a blueprint for success and ways to navigate current barriers to homeownership. But before I formally introduce our guests, I want to note that congratulations are in order. All our guests today, they are RISE Award winners. The Freddie Mac Home Possible Rise Awards recognizes lenders and loan officers who have made a significant impact on affordable lending. So today it's my pleasure to introduce Karen Moravis, Branch Sales Manager at Fairway Independent Mortgage Company, Rick Holcomb, President of Mortgage One, and Amanda Method, Director of Marketing at LendUS. Welcome everybody. And again, congratulations on your Rise Award win. Thanks, happy to be here. Great, thanks Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate being here. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. I'm going to set the stage a little bit here. You know, we're on the heels of the COVID-19 pandemic. The hope for many is that we begin to normalize back to pre-pandemic life, but we're still grappling with housing affordability challenges, especially for first-time homebuyers and particularly for communities of color. A lot of the issues they face include low housing inventory, home prices that are outpacing wages, and down payment concerns. I, I think many challenges to affordable lending often come in the form of misconceptions, whether it's from loan officers about the products or solutions or consumers about what's available to them. And Karen, I would love to start out with you as you work with housing finance agencies. From your perspective, do you encounter a lot of misconceptions when it comes to affordable loans or other loan down payment products? And how do you mitigate that? A big part of it is education and when you, when you speak with the customer from the very on start, you need to learn about what their circumstances are and what their goals are so that we can start narrowing down all of the options available. A lot of people are still thinking that 20% is required for any type of down payment assistance, and they don't even understand that there are a lot of opportunities through the local agencies and the state programs that can help them get into a house without having those large sums of money to invest into the purchase. So I think a lot of it stems from just going through and working with the local agencies and talking through the products, learning more about the customers and sharing with them the the various program availabilities in the marketplace. Rick, from your perspective as a community lender, what are some of those misconceptions that you deal with? Yeah, so I agree with Karen in that uh, there's a misconception out there that, uh, you know, a large down payment is needed for a mortgage. So education, educating the consumer and the real estate community, I think, is the most important piece. Uh, You'd mentioned something earlier, Mike, about inventory being an issue. Here in Metro Detroit, just like other parts of the country, we have an inventory shortage, and it's important to educate the real estate community that these loan programs, whether home possible or down payment assistance through our bond program at MISHTA, 
These are strong backed loan products that have equal chance of getting through the system and offers accepted as anybody else. And so many times it's an education process with the realtor showing them that our low down payment borrower is as strong as any other. I agree, Rick. You know, if the realtors are educated, then they have the ability to convey to a seller when they see a potential buyer come through using a program such as Home Possible or with a low down payment, that it is still a strong program and that buyer is just as strong as any other. Tagging onto that, again, it goes back to education, education, education. But a lot of these referral partners, unfortunately, think there's a misconception out there that these are difficult programs. And it's not that they're difficult. It's not that the borrower is any less qualified. We just have to get creative in some of the financing options that are available to them. And keeping those referral partners educated in what that looks like will certainly help facilitate more opportunity for some of the buyers that need these types of programs. Excellent. So I want to kind of shift focus a little bit. Last year was challenging. There was higher volume. There were stay-at-home orders, social distancing restrictions. I wanted to get your perspectives. You know, were you easily able to maintain a team that was ready and able to work with customers in a remote environment? I guess that's a way to ask, what were some of the tools or methods used to do that? Yeah, I mean, we felt it was important to have a strong online application. So it's something that we've been working on for several years. So we were ready. And then through what happened in 2020 and stay-at-home orders, et cetera, we have found a way to make the whole process start to finish. So we have an e-close process now, and the docs can go right to the settlement agent and be passed back and forth securely so the borrower feels comfortable that all of their documents etc. are safe and secure. Yeah, technology has really helped facilitate that virtual home buying experience for sure. At Fairway, we worked hard to make sure that we were firing on all cylinders to keep it easy for the home buyers to continue that journey in a way that kept the real estate market moving and really gave the customers that safe environment to pursue whether it was a refinance or just that home buying process. Yeah, Mike, for Mortgage One, located in Michigan, and most of our business is in Michigan, we were in a unique situation in that we had strict stay-at-home orders here, yet the state of Michigan deemed financial services as essential. So we were one of few industries that were able to come in and stay in the office. And what we did here is we kept the management team intact in office daily, and we pivoted quickly and took our people that weren't comfortable being in the office to work at home And so we were able to provide the same level of service to the community before, during, and after the pandemic. That's great. I kind of want to follow up a little bit. As more financial services organizations aim to procure and adopt increasingly end-to-end digital processes, is the tech adoption for affordable lending more difficult? Is it the same? Uh, What's it like for those lenders in that space? might be a little bit more hand-holding in some instances where we might have a need to coach a little bit more through that technology piece. Oftentimes, what I find in this spectrum is that a lot of my home buyers may not have some of the technology 
that would facilitate going through a loan application. You know, they may not have printers at home or they may not have laptops at home. And we've also become so accustomed to using tablets and smartphones that those pieces of the technology world aren't necessarily used in all aspects, but they do facilitate and make the process so much easier if you have a Chrome browser, for example. But Fairway has an amazing phone application that gives the buyers the tools to scan documents, view their loan process, to see what their stipulations are. So if we are moving towards smartphones and staying away from some of those computers and printers and go towards e-signing and e-documents and e-disclosures, then I think technology is definitely something that we need to keep in the forefront of, of what we do every day. Yeah, I agree. To echo Karen, it's also about educating and training our loan originators, right? So that if a problem does arise with their borrower, they can easily turn it around and help them with the process. And, you know, we're getting away from fax machines and printers. We don't really need that anymore. And the beauty of a strong application is being able to do that app and scan docs right from your smartphone, which is amazing. And then, you know, some of these applications have like a shadowing process So if a borrower calls and they're stuck mid-app, the loan originator can go in and see exactly where that borrower is and coach them through where they might be stuck, which is pretty great. The first-time home buyer probably requires a little bit more hand-holding. And secondly, just important that the entire industry is going to a digital mortgage. For lack of a better description, the mortgage has become commoditized to a certain degree. The most important thing as a lender is being a home loan specialist and being the most educated lender that you can be, because that's what will differentiate you from a digital mortgage provider. That's great. So we've all seen the impacts of the pandemic. And as we talked about earlier, we're looking to kind of create a framework or a blueprint to some best practices. So I'm going to throw the question out there. What are some of those best practices that were developed during the pandemic to maintain client engagement, and to help drive it forward? Communication. (laughs) Communication in this business, like all businesses, right? Communication is the key to making sure that it's a smooth process from start to finish for all parties. I think ongoing education, and we've touched on that a little bit already, but ongoing education to the community through webinars in this COVID world that we've been living in, continued partnership growth with realtors who have expressed interest in ways of showing homeowners that financing options really do exist and that now is still a really, really good time to invest in the real estate market despite the inventory challenges. So I think we need to stay very communicative and engaged in the community to ensure that this keeps going in a positive direction. Yeah, and that's the great thing about lenders like Karen and Rick and the folks at LendUS is that we are able to have a personal relationship with these borrowers and we can help them find the right loan program for them. Nowadays, there's so much information at everyone's fingertips 
and folks and especially home buyers are doing a lot of research we're finding and they think they know what the right loan program might be for them but as our loan originators start chatting with them there might be other options like a home possible that might be a better fit for them and their family in the long run and that's the difference between lenders like us and just some other lenders that are more of a data-driven lending process where you don't really have that relationship lending experience. I agree. Relationships uh, where it's at. Uh, at Mortgage One, we're primarily a purchase shop. Even in 2020, when very few lenders closed more purchases than refis, we were able to continue to do that. We're back now to our typical 80-20 type of spread. So relationships, primarily with our realtor referral base, is where we've been able to continue to provide same level of service. Instead of lunch and learns in the offices, doing a presentation on home possible or appraisal rebuttal or down payment assistance through MISHTA, we just converted those to Zoom. Stayed engaged with them and maintaining those relationships and continuing to keep the community educated about what was going on in the lending world was important. That's great. Switching a little bit to some market insights, I'd like to take a lens approach to this from a community lens, a regional lens, and an HFA lens. Does the low interest rate environment outweigh the hurdles of low inventory and high price points? And and how are some of those macro issues impacting housing stock? I'd love to get your insights on, on these market level drivers. And I'll start with you, Rick, on the community side. Yeah. So we think that interest rate environment is less important than the inventory situation. And the reason that is, is in Metro Detroit, that's still incredibly affordable relative to other parts of the country. So even though we've experienced 10, 15, 20% price increases on homes in the last couple of years, the number of buyers relative to sellers is still at a very, very high number. So it's not that the consumer's debt to income is not allowing them to reach this home. It's just the lack of inventory that's our problem. And as I said before, our goal is to educate the real estate community so that they know that these buyers, whether they're using a down payment assistance through the state bond program or FHA or Home Possible, that these are great buyers and offers should be looked at in the same light as a larger down payment. Great. Thank you. Uh, Amanda, do you want to take that the regional viewpoint? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of, I see it from all the whole gamut, right? We're all over the United States and, you know, in areas like Ohio and the Carolinas, there's a reasonable amount of inventory. And, you know, it's interesting to travel the country and see just the differentiator between housing prices, even though they've gone up, they are still different and home affordability is different all over the country. But I think the low interest rate environment does kind of empower the borrower to afford more. So with these housing prices where they are, they still feel empowered to be able to purchase a home. I think that um, in a market where the inventory is challenged and low in some markets, Carolinas, we're starting to see it come back a little bit. It's not quite where we want it to be just yet, but we're moving in that direction. And it can be easy for 
especially first time home buyers who've never been through this process before to feel discouraged. So encouraging patience and a positive reinforcement that the rates still remain really low and um, it, it might take a little bit longer to make that dream happen, but home ownership is still a great way to go and not to give up because you can not only continue to build personal wealth, but it's definitely a place that we want to see um, more opportunity open up. So we have to make sure that we're just keeping them focused and on the right track because I, I have experienced um, some frustration with some of the customers because they do make multiple offers and they're coming up against hearing the word no more often than they want to hear. But I think that it's going in the right direction and keeping them positive is, is definitely something that we want to stick with and continue to show our real estate partners that they just need to keep on keeping on. Homeownership is still a way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about what's happened in the past year. We're talking about current market conditions. I want to kind of switch and put on uh, to look into our looking glass here to see what's on the horizon, what's just around the corner that's emerging that our listeners should be thinking about or preparing for, in your opinion. That's the proverbial looking glass, right? What is it, the crystal ball? That's right. <laughs> Everyone always asks that question, and, it, and it's a valid question for sure. I, I think market shifts are, are yet to be determined. As soon as I tell somebody that the market is going to improve, it could slip a little bit. As soon as I tell them that it's going to take a, a downward turn, we're going to see some improvement. So, you know, we try not to give them any specific direction other than to say it's changing. It's an ever-changing animal and something could change in the world tomorrow that impacts our markets here in the States today. And we could see the rate shift in a completely different direction than what we were expecting. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's a hard one to answer. I don't know that there's um, the right uh, answer to give in, in those instances. I always have a conversation with my customers that we need to look at what their goals are first. And if they're happy with the payment they're looking at, if they're happy with the house that they find, then they need to pull the trigger today because trying to predict what's going to happen tomorrow could end up putting them in a situation that they didn't want to be in to begin with. It's kind of like I was talking the other day to someone about stock market investment, right? You never know when the perfect time to buy or sell a stock is until that exact moment has come and gone. And we just hope that we are pinpointing that exact time when we pull the trigger. I'd be interested to hear what uh, Amanda and Rick have to, to say on it, but I just think that's a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one. And I agree that the market ebbs and flows. So, you know, the great thing about first time home buyers is sometimes they are looking maybe not for their forever home, but they're looking for a home that they're going to be in for quite some time. So it still makes sense and is important that they still buy. And like Karen said, with the stock market, you kind of have to play the game to decide when you're going to sell. But first time home buyers looking to break into buying a home they're kind of in the driver's seat on how long they're going to stay in that house and what's going to happen in that time frame. Like they might not have to sell in five years. If they stay for 10, 15, 
they're looking in a good position where the housing market, as I said, will probably ebb and flow. But I don't think that they're going to be in a position where they would be upside down, let's say, if they were to purchase now. Yeah. Well, well, you guys are extremely lucky because I have my crystal ball right here. <laughs> this is what I see on the horizon. I see, and when I say on the horizon, I'm talking in the next couple of years, not next you know, couple quarters, but the next couple of years. The way I see it is we're going to continue to see inventory shortages. I think that price appreciation will temper. The rate of appreciation is not sustainable as it is now. We'll see buyers and sellers come more into balance instead of right now with eight buyers for every seller, we'll go to six, we'll go to four, and it'll start evening out. I see rates continuing to be decent. You know, we were talking about rates earlier, like low, everyone talks about low interest rates. What is low interest rate? I think five is a low interest rate, right? Six is a low interest rate compared to 10. So, you know, whether we're at three, three and a half, four, I don't know that that makes much of a difference in what's going to happen moving forward. Now, the other thing that's going to happen is you're going to see continued technological advances and lenders who, who leverage technology, become more efficient, are going to have an advantage in the marketplace. And then with regard to our first-time homebuyers, which we've talked a lot about, you know, educating them, the community and the real estate community, keeping them educated is going to give the lender an edge. Being a mortgage professional, working with real estate professionals is still, I think, where it's going to be at moving forward. Thanks, Rick. Karen, Amanda, any, any reaction to that that uh, that bold prediction from Rick? I think it's amazing. I hope he is 100% spot on. I'm ready for more balance, for sure. And, and I'm sure our, our realtors are sitting on the edge of their seats waiting to see the market shift so that it's a good position for both buyers and sellers. Well, thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have today. Karen, Amanda, Rick, thank you very much for spending some time with us and sharing your thoughts and perspectives. And congratulations again on your RISE Award win. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all for joining. And thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Please make sure to check out our single family website for links to everything that was mentioned in this episode. And we appreciate you subscribing, reading, and reviewing this podcast whenever you listen. And don't forget to share this with your networks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Freddie Mac Single Family Home Starts Here podcast. Stay tuned and subscribe to catch additional interviews with key industry leaders and experts. Home Starts Here is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you rating, reviewing, and sharing with your network.